0: Morning. We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter twelve, verses thirty-five through forty-eight. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and be like the men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those whose servants Blessed are those servants whom the Master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are the servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the, the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager? whom his master will set over his household to give to give them their portion of food at the proper time blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes truly i say to you he will set him over all his possessions but if that servant says to himself my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces, and will put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act accordingly to his will, will receive a severe beating. The one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more."
1: Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, this morning we want to pray for our nation. I don't know this for a fact, but apparently there's supposed to be some protests this morning uh, at various capitals. I know that there's been calls for violence. Lord, I pray that you'd bring an immediate sense of conviction over all of these people Especially the folks that are, that claim to be Christians, Lord, I pray that they would be convicted of their sin, of being violent, not of protesting, but of violence, of anger, of hatred. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bring about a right spirit in these folks. Lord, I'm I'm praying that you would show who the uh, the, the true churches here, Lord, that we may be, may be found faithful to you. Lord, may we be found as people who are waiting, anticipating your return. Lord, for those that are sick here this morning, for those that, are, that have just gone through surgery, for those who are uh, have lingering effects of COVID or what, what have you, Lord, we pray for their healing, their immediate healing. Lord, I pray for those that are living in fear that you'd cause them to live in hope, and faith in you. Lord, I pray for those uh, that have no fear and want to condemn those people that um, that have fear. Lord, I pray for them that you would do a work in their life as well. Lord, I pray for all these things. Lord, I pray for conviction on our lives, and Lord, that you bring about a true sense of, of hope in you and not hope in our circumstances. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks for coming this morning. I'm convinced that if, uh, if we had a, a greater sense of the return of Jesus Christ, that he is returning, he will judge the living and the dead. And you and I will experience that one way or, or another. I'm convinced that if that was on top of mind, if that was the reality of our hearts, if we knew that, if we understood that, we would not be people who are losing our minds over a political process. We'd be not be people who are losing our minds over a, a pandemic. We'd not be losing our minds over fill in the blank, <clears throat> but we would be different people. Uh, when Christians don't act like Christians should, it is clear that they've missed something major. When I don't act in the way that God has called me to act, What's true is this, is that I've forgotten that I've been cleansed from my former sins and that I have no regard for the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus has been spending time in this passage essentially saying that you should not live in greed, don't depend on material things. The man walks up to him and says, hey, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Jesus says, this is not about that. The next, the next situation talks about worry over material things. And Jesus says, life is about more than food and clothing. And ultimately, he ends that passage by saying that it's really about seeking the kingdom of God. It's really about seeking him and everything that he is. It's, it's seeking after him. And when we get caught up in this, what, what's true about us is that we're not seeking after the kingdom here and now, but we're also not about seeking the kingdom then and there. And this section of scripture is about seeking the kingdom here and now in anticipation of the kingdom then and there. Now, if you're like me, I always get confused when when uh, I start reading about the kingdom, okay, what again is the kingdom again? When we are in distress, when we are in worry, when we are, uh, when we are plugged with anxiety, one thing we know for sure is that we are not living as though Jesus is in charge, as though he rules, as though he is reigning as king over everything in our lives. When I begin to release my worries and my anxieties, realizing that he cares for me, realizing that he is the one who is gonna ultimately care for me, when I release all of that, when I realize that he's in charge, it is his rule. He is reigning over this situation. He is reigning everywhere. When I, when I realize that, it releases me to then say, okay, I don't have to live like this. I can be a non-anxious presence in my community. Do you want to feel anxious? Go start reading Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Parler. Who, who's, where did that come from? Whatever. Uh, just go on those social media platforms and just start reading and you will end up anxious. I promise you. Just read it. Just read what people have to say. Oh, I gotta worry about that. I gotta worry about that now. Oh, that sounds pretty bad. That sounds terrible. Wow, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want this to... Just do it. Can I just give a side note here? As a church, we've been talking about this uh, as a staff and, and elders recently, I am becoming, and I'm not making a rule here, I'm, but I, I'm just becoming more and more convinced that I'm not sure that we can live as believers if we are constantly on social media. I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't think it can happen. In fact, I think the first step of, of your growth as a disciple, desti, what am I saying? What in the world is going on right now? Disciple, all right. Uh, your first step of growth as a disciple, I think, needs to be just putting away social media for a while. We are all addicts to the anxiety and the fear. We thrive off of it, our world thrives off of it. That's a side note. I have to get into the sermon. Jesus says, I want you to seek first my kingdom. He then begins to talk about this idea of, look at verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. I want you to be ready for 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 me to return. I want you to be ready to serve me. I want you to be ready with your your, your lamp with oil in it, And your wick trimmed and so forth. When I was a kid, I used to ride the Sunday school bus to church. Even though my dad was the pastor, I would leave my house and go on around. I lived in the Florida Keys. We'd drive up the islands and then back down, pick up a bunch of kids. And there was this guy. His name was Junior. And he would sit on the front seat and he would sing, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. I mean, it was just so cheesy. Cheesy. But uh, love, I don't know why, we sang that song every single Sunday. Uh, he did not have any other songs that he knew, I think. But uh, that was ingrained in my, in my mind. What does that even mean? There's this idea of preparation. It's preparing yourself. It's remaining dressed for action. In those days, the, the words there actually mean uh, gird up your loins uh, which is an archaic phrase that means take your robe and stuff it into your belt, and uh, and then you'll be ready. You got your your legs are a little bit more free. You're ready. You can be you know do do a little jostling, a little bit of juking, whatever it is you need to do in order to prepare for Jesus. I know that's a rough image to get out of your mind right now, but um, uh, but be ready with your lamps full of oil, your wick trimmed, and you're ready. Ah. Are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready for the return of Christ? Jesus returned. If Jesus were to return right now, are you ready? There used to be this gospel presentation that said, if you were to die today, would you know that you're going to heaven? And really, that's not really the best question. The best question is actually this. If Jesus were to return right this second, are you ready? If Jesus were to return right this moment, are you ready for him to return? And Jesus says this, I want you to stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. That's, that's kind of a, it's just an example. It's that if this wealthy man has servants at home, He just got married. He's on his way home. He's got a bunch of servants. They're going to be sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for their master to come so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So put yourself in that position as somebody who's a servant. You're eagerly awaiting the master as he is returning. You're eagerly awaiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And are you ready for him? And, and are you anticipating his return? This is a, a big theological point, the return of Jesus Christ. Are, are we anticipating it? Now, here's the problem in Christian culture. I've gotten so wrapped up in uh, so much of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the left behind series. If you've been in Christian culture for any amount of time, there was a, a series of books and then there were some terrible movies. Uh, that came out. There was a song that came out from this Christian pop band called DC Talk, and that's been going through my mind the whole time I'm preparing for this sermon, and it's just irritating. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. That's comforting, all right? Like uh, when, I, when I was a child, I, we were showing a, a disturbing movie called A Thief in the Night, and uh, Children should not be watching this. We watched this for some reason as children. I don't know how we could not be Christians at that point because it was all focused on the rapture. Uh, you know, there's somebody mowing a lawn and mowing a lawn, and then all of a sudden they disappear and they're gone. And so, you know, there's this film work where there's just a lawnmower run, running in the middle of a uh, in the middle of a yard, and then there's a, a faucet that's on and nobody's right there, and it's just like, oh. I guess, you know, you got left behind kind of a deal. And in some senses, I, I, I do believe that there's a reality of Jesus is going to return, and there's going to be something that happens. What Christian culture has gotten wrapped up in is what will that look like when it happens? What will end times look like? And they've tried to predict what's actually going to take place. And you can read in Revelation, and you can go, I, get, you know, I don't know, it's, it's prophecy, so you don't know exactly what it's saying. It's, it's, you don't know exactly what it means, it just means we're supposed to read it and just say that this is, when we finally see it, that's what it's gonna look like, and so I guess we'll see what happens. The problem is we've gotten wrapped up in what it is going to look like, rather than talking about the idea that Jesus is returning, he is coming back. It may or may not be in our lifetime, but we are to live as though He is returning in our lifetime. He is returning here and now. Like that's that must be the urgency that Christians feel day in and day out for the work that God has given us to do. Remember, we talked last week about Ephesians two uh, eight verse ten two eight through ten, which says, "For we are uh, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works." which God has prepared beforehand for us, something to that effect. That we, are to, that we have been created in Christ Jesus, we've been given new life in Christ in order to do the work of ministry. And what this passage is saying is that there should be some teeth behind your uh, decision to actually be waiting on the master, waiting for Jesus Christ's return. My fear is this, that we have become complacent, that w- there is no urgency, that we've become you know, wrapped up in end times theology, that we've become so worried about all of these other things rather than just thinking basically in regards to Jesus is returning. It says in 1 Peter verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 13, which we just... Preached on not too long ago. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter says, I, I want you to prepare your minds for action. I want you to be sober-minded. I, want, I don't want you to think going off on all, into all these conspiracy theories and all of this worry and anxiety and all this stuff that's going on in our world today. And I want you to put your hope fully on what the grace that's going to be finally brought to you when Jesus Christ returns. How many of us are waiting for the return of Christ? How often do I think about that? How does that affect how I live, that Jesus is returning? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16-18. through I'm so sorry to the folks in the back. I did not give you these passages. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's encouraging, it's an encouragement that the scriptures intend to, you to know, that Jesus intends you to know, to read and to hear and to understand, to live in light of the end, to live in light of the return of Jesus Christ. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verses six through nine. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. And the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited into the marriage supper of the lamb and he said to me these are the true words of God The end the return should be the most pressing things on our minds today Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. And I'm so tempted to just go off on a political commentary. And the reason is is because I, I'm I'm so ticked. I'm not ticked to anybody here. I, I, I posted an article yesterday on social media. I don't take my own uh, preaching. Uh, I, I try to rarely post. I posted an article basically saying, let's stop believing the conspiracy theories, basically is what I, what I was saying. QAnon, that type of stuff. By the way, if you find yourself intrigued by QAnon or you're to, you've totally bought in, I, I want to encourage you, if you go to our church, that you'd, you'd come and talk to me. Let's, let's talk through this. Uh, that you talk to me or one of the elders. If you go to this church, if you're a part of this church, you have put yourself under the authority of the elders here. It doesn't mean that we're gonna be domineering over you, but what it does mean is this, is that we need to have a conversation. If you're representing Outward Church in the community, let's have a conversation if you're buying into that. I posted the article, my good friend who's an atheist basically pointed and said, and that's why I can't believe in Christianity because those Christians, they believe those unbelievable lies. And as a result, it shows me that everything that Christianity believes is a lie, such as Noah's Ark, so on and so forth. I just, I just wanna let you know that when we do not focus on the fact that Jesus is king, that he lives, that he reigns, that he is returning with authority, what happens is that we have people that are around us that see the fallacy in in our belief system, that they, they see the problem. They say, if you believe these lies, then everything that you believe is lies. When we are not focused On the return of Christ himself. Are you eager for the master to return? Or are you so focused today on everything else that life seems to be a blur? You find yourself anxious. You find yourself worried consistently. We need to look at this passage. It says this. Blessed are those whose servants uh, are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, who will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. The, The example says this that when when we as the servants are waiting at the door for the master, we're ready for action. We're ready to serve. We are ready to do the work of ministry. We are ready for this with our, our lamps filled with oil and our wicks trimmed. And so we're, when we're ready for him and he comes and finds us in this position of being ready for him. I'm waiting for you, master. I'm waiting for you, Jesus. I'm ready to see you. It says, it's, it's crazy. He will dress himself for service. And have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. The master and the servant, or the master and the slave are going to switch. And the master's going to serve the servant. This is what Jesus is offering to you. In that you can try to be served here and now, or you can wait for the master to serve you. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, this is a new example, by the way, it it feels a little confusing. Verse 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Just like a thief breaks into a home, you don't know when he's coming. You need to be ready and watching for that thief whatever that looks like. So also the son of man's going to come just like that. well you you will not expect it. I think that's intended to say to us. You don't know if it could be 2 seconds from now or 2 millennia from now. Jesus says I want you to be ready, because it could be at any moment. Peter said, Lord, are you, t- are you telling this parable for us or for everybody? Is this for the disciples, or is this just for everybody who's listening? And Jesus answers a question with a question, which is always nice. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them, uh, to, to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Jesus responds by saying, who are the, the guys that I'm going to put in place to feed my household? Who are these people? And what I think he's saying is this. I think he's saying, I'm talking about disciples. I'm talking about the people that have, that have said, yes, I, I, I have trusted in Jesus Christ. I have trusted in him. And it says something at the end, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. From him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand even the more. Which I think means this. That wherever you are on that scale of like being a disciple, whether you're somebody who isn't really leading anybody except yourself, or whether you have a, a family, or whether you have a, a community group, or whether you have you know some ministry at the church or some ministry outside the church, or whether you're leading a church or leading some type of ministry or whatever, wherever you are on that spectrum, to whom much is given, much will be required. When you have more responsibility, you have more responsibility to know and to understand is what Jesus is saying. This obviously is kind of taken from that Spider-Man quote, great power comes great responsibility or something like that. I don't think Jesus means it like that necessarily, so don't think about Spider-Man right now, but. (laughs) He says, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. What's so doing? He's feeding the household. He's feeding them on time. He's doing the work that Jesus has set before him. I think most Christians do not understand that God has given you something to do in the context of the local church. And it's not just for church members. It's people who are connected to a local body. And if you're not connected to a local body of believers, you must be, you should be. You're outside of the will of God when you operate, where you're not connected to a local body. You should be connected to a local church. And you should be involved in serving in some capacity or another. You should be involved in some way or another. That's what God has for you, I promise you. He says, blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you would be feeding that you would be serving in the way that God has called you to serve. Truly, I, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. More responsibility will be given in the next life. We don't know what that even means. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Then we go into verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and and drink, and get drunk. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Youch! That's that's heavy, right? That's pretty heavy. But Jesus often talks in in this way. Jesus talks in a way that says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Jesus talks in these these grand ways, and I'm not trying to minimize what he's saying here, but that's not exactly what he means. It's not word for word in that that sense. Jesus is saying it's a real problem when someone is defiant towards God. Some of you are defiant towards God. You know the truth. You've heard the truth. You know that you're supposed to be serving Jesus, ready for his return and yet you don't care. Say, oh, God will forgive me. Oh, that's, it's fine. I'll just do whatever I want. Listen, church, Jesus says that there's many people who are going to come to me and, and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do all of these things for you? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And some of us need to have that fear in our hearts and say, I could be acting like I've been a Christian most of my life, but I just have lived defiantly. I have gone against him over and over again. I have blatantly disobeyed him. I'm not saying that you have struggles, that you have compulsions, that you have desires, that you're, you're continually going back to the, the Father and you're saying, Lord Jesus, I'm asking for your forgiveness because you've gone to the cross for me and I am working towards, I, I, am, I want to uh, continue to die to self and continue to walk with you. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the person that says, I know it's wrong. I try to act like I don't think it's wrong. I try to find Bible verses and say, you know what, see, it's not really that clear, and so I don't necessarily need to worry about that. And Jesus says, the defiant one, the blatant one, is put with the unfaithful. And what I think that means is, your hope was never in Jesus Christ to begin with. It was always in yourself. The defiant ones who refuse to read the scriptures, the defiant ones who refuse to obey what the scriptures have to say. Do you know where revival comes from? It comes from a group of people. It starts in the church and it comes from people who say, I've always said that I was a believer and now I realize I wasn't and there's a conviction that comes over them and it's not just in one person but it's in person after person after person like I thought I walked with Jesus but I have never really walked with Jesus because I have just lived defiantly I have not lived as though he is returning And it's a church, it's a group of people, and it's brought by the Holy Spirit. I want the Spirit of God to come and convict us in that way. I want to be convicted in that way. I want to be convicted in a way that I want to see God move in that way. I want to see God change us. I want to see God wake up a sleeping church. I wanna see God wake up the American church today, which includes us, by the way. I wanna see God wake us up with the reality. And let me tell you what wakes you up is when you read something like that and you say, the master's gonna come on a day that you don't expect him in an hour that you don't know, and it is not gonna be good for those That do not have a desire to see him return. The first one is defiant. The first servant is defiant. The second one is forgetful. Look at verse 47. And the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. It's, it's moving down. The first one's going to be cut up and put out with the faithful. The second one's not going to be cut up and put out with the faithful, but there's a severe beating there. There is a judgment. Do you see what's happening here? The king is returning. And he's not like your grandma or grandpa. Oh, it's all right, son. But he's the king. The king is returning. And what's he, he's returning in authority he has authority over you who do you live in authority under do you live in authority under anyone by the way our world says you are your own authority and it is receiving the just penalty for that chaos The world is burning down in so many ways. I'm not saying coronavirus is judgment from God. I'm talking about the chaos. The world is receiving that because it is its own authority. Jesus is returning in authority. And he will judge you and I. What type of a servant have you been? Have you been defiant? Saying, I know that it says that. I know that he has communicated this, and yet I will do whatever I want. Some of us need to read our Bibles. Some of us, not some of us, all of us need to be reading our Bibles. I should correct that. All of us need to be reading our Bibles. And you look at the political situation that's going on. Stop reading Facebook, start reading your Bible. Look at the political situation. Take, take a glance at it. Okay, cool. Let's just look at Jesus. Let's just look, look at what Jesus has to say. And let's obey it. Let's walk with him. The first one is defiance. The second one is, just, is forgetfulness. They knew what the master wanted, but they just didn't act on it. And I think that's where a lot of us are. A lot of us are in that place. And the reason why we're forgetful is because we refuse to make Christian community a priority. We refuse to make being at church a priority. I hate even looking at the statistics. I hear them occasionally. But like, listen, I I have, I've put it off many years because it seems kind of self-serving. Hey, you should come hear me speak right? That seems, seems a little bit self-serving. But I just want to tell you, you should come, hear the preaching of the word over you. You should hear it. And when you hear something you don't like, that's when you found a good church probably. Because it probably is in line with the scriptures. And that is what changes you. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to destroy you. It's not gonna be a safe space, it's not gonna be a place for you to just come and feel good about yourself. It is going to be a place where you are challenged, a good church in your area, wherever you are, that you stay committed to. That's how forgetfulness doesn't take root and turn into defiance. That's how forgetfulness goes away little by little. That's why foolishness begins to dissipate as you begin to listen to the preaching of the word over you, you begin to worship with everyone, who are, all of the people who are waiting, <clears throat> who are anticipating the return of Jesus Christ, who could come at any moment and judge the living and the dead. And these people in this room, these people who have submitted themselves to the, the authority of Jesus Christ and have said, I want him in my life. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how many times I keep screwing up. I don't care what's, what's happening. I see that he's received me. I see that he's already given me the kingdom, and I am going to live as though he rules and he reigns, and when I don't do that, I want someone to correct me. I wanna live under the authority of Jesus Christ. Are you waiting for the king anticipating his return and his authority to be fully realized over your life? Or do you reject that? Because that may be a big determining factor is whether you live in defiance, or whether you just live in forgetfulness. And I think all of us are somewhere on this spectrum here. But the one who did not know, verse 48, and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. There's, there's less responsibility because he, he didn't know. She didn't know. Perhaps they were sitting under bad teaching. No one ever told them. A lot of churches like that today that are giving out bad teaching, They're giving you seven steps to, to have a, a better marriage or better finances or, or what have you, but that's just window dressing. It's just riding the ship down. It's, that, that's, that's all that that is. That's, it's just it's turning you into maybe a more moral person, which is still good for society, but it's not good for your soul. Because as you become a more moral person, you become more convinced that all you need is you, if you're able to do it. And if you're not able to do it, you realize that you maybe you don't even want to exist anymore because you can't seem to pull it together. You can't seem to be more moral. That's a problem. This isn't just about morality. This is about the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that he offers us, the righteousness that he hands over to us. And so many people get get off on the wrong track because they've gone to the wrong church and they've gone to a place that isn't preaching truth. And he says, those people, this is what I think Jesus would say, those people thought they were following somebody who was following me and maybe that person wasn't. Maybe they didn't tell him the truth. This one should have known what to do, but somehow they didn't. Somehow they didn't, and Jesus says, you're still responsible. I'm still over you in authority. And he says, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. Folks, why do we keep on sinning? Why do we keep struggling with the things in our lives? Why are people on both sides of the political spectrum who claim to be Christians saying hateful things, acting in hateful ways, why is that happening? It's because nobody has an eye towards the coming of Jesus Christ. Because that's not what we're thinking about. All we're thinking about is we're, we're thinking about the next political leader and how will that help me here and now with my stuff. And I gotta tell you, I gotta, I gotta tell you, we must change that. I'm not saying that we can't have opinions. Believe me, I have a lot of opinions. Believe me, oh my gosh, my sinful heart would do a lot of things. If I gave in to every impulse, I would not be preaching here. It would not be good. We're to live as though Jesus is returning And when we don't, we're not ready for him. We're not anticipating his return. And that's a huge problem. So here's the deal. I think we've come to a a place in our church. At different times we get here, We're lethargic. We don't have an urgency about the kingdom of God and the return of Christ. And many, if not most of us, are very much concerned with what's happening here and now. We started the church with this idea that young people have a role to play in the day-to-day of the local church. And when young people are engaged in the everyday life of the church, and not just young people, when all people are plugged into the, the, the life of the church and see that they have a role to play, that things can change. The invitation that we have for you is to know your Savior, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for you. He died for you. And he gave you new life. He gave you grace. And the invitation is for you to then begin to live that way, to walk that out. What does faith look like? And I would just tell you this. I was gonna maybe try to read some of this, but Ephesians chapter four and five, if you were to read those and just walk through those and just see what, what does the apostle Paul tell us? What does this look like to be a part of what God is doing? What does it look like to live my life in that way? I I just wanna invite you to that. I wanna invite you to look over that, to read through that, and to just begin to look at What it, what it says. To begin to look at it and say, what does it look like to be somebody who's awaiting the return of Christ? That's what it, that's what it says. I don't have time today, but I invite you to. Are you waiting for the return? Can we go to the Lord's table here? To the Lord's table is about anticipating. It's, it's about remembering, but it's also about anticipating the return. We are proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. That's what this is about. Jesus wants us to be able to taste our need for Him. He says, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus is saying, I want to be that connected with you. I want you to take me into you because I've taken you into me. It's called union with Christ. And our our union with Christ, our connection with him is not displayed well as we continue to, to sin, as we continue to not look at what he's done for us as we continue to not anticipate him so would you bow your heads with me would we spend a few moments in confession most of us in this room can say Lord Jesus I have not looked forward to your return can we confess that Most of us can say, Lord, I'm not really looking forward to that because I have so many other things that I want to do. I want to get that house. I want to have kids. I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see them get married. I want to finally get married. I want to get a job. I want to see what this is like. And, Lord, I don't look forward to your return. Can we confess that? And Jesus says to you, all is forgiven. I gave my body for you. Would you do this in remembrance of me? Let's partake of the body. Jesus says, I love you so much. I care about you so much. I know all of your sins. I see every way that you have completely messed us up, that you have not waited for my return. But that's why I gave my life. That's why I poured out my blood for you. Let's partake of the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for us. Thank you for how you saved us. May we live every day as though you're returning, ready and willing and able to receive you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.